Hey friends, I'm Brad Livingston, lead pastor here at Transformation Church. I want to personally welcome you to our podcast. At TC, we exist to see people transformed from who they are to who God wants them to be. So no matter where you are on your faith journey, I hope today's message inspires you to take one step closer to Christ. Let's go TC. Let's get it for Jesus across this place. Come on. Man. Uh, such a unique moment, and, and I just want to take, this is like a teaching moment for our church for just a second. Some of you guys are like, so I grew up in Catholic church, and um, I was joking with some of the guys back there. I said, if you wonder if there's any Pentecostal left in some of us. So, uh, but um, I just want to encourage some of you, some of you just never been in these types of environments, and, and, and let me just speak to you for, for just a second. When, when God's spirit is in a place he looks to do something in a people. I'm going to say it again. When his spirit is in a place, he's looking to do something in a people. And, and how many guys have been praying about something over the last 12 months? Just, just the 12 months. Not your whole life, just 12 months. When God's spirit shows up in a place, that means he's looking to start changing some things right now. And so I just want to encourage some of you. Some of you are like, ah, I don't know about this. You know, they didn't do this at Olive last week. So, like, um, and that's not a dig at Olive, by the way. It's a great church. I'm just saying, like, uh, what, what I'm saying is if, God is if God's presence is showing up in a way that looks different, let me encourage you, jump in because the water's refreshing, all right? So turn to your neighbor and say, it's good, which sets the tone because we're kicking off the Dull Life series. And today I want to talk to you about this idea that my life feels... Meh. Anybody's life felt meh lately? Like anybody like you've been trying to you've been trying to do things like it was 2017 and 2018 and 2019, and it just don't seem like you can quite get the same meh. Anybody had an opportunity to get excited about something lately? And when you got had the opportunity to get excited, you were just kind of meh. Because today I want to talk to you about what do we do when our life feels mad. Nate, come up here. I want you to help me for a second. Nate's going to, me and Nate are going to have a race right now for $100. Okay, so $100, it's on the table. You get at that speaker over there. I'm going to get at this speaker over here, all right? How many of y'all think I can beat Nate? Stop, stop lying. Are you ready? All right, so here's the deal. It's only when I say the word go after the ready set, okay? So this thing like guys' grocery games where, you know what I'm saying? All right, some of y'all know. Okay, cool. All right, ready, set. Now, here's the thing. So this is where I believe some of us have felt like for the last two or three years. Some of us have felt... He works here. I know what he gets paid. He needs that $100, okay? So, so. Here's how some of us have felt for the last couple of years. And, I, and I'm gonna, I am going to try to move quickly today because of how much time uh, the Holy Spirit chose to do something different than our plans. So, uh, but some of us have felt exactly how Nate feels right now. Where something got us ready and set And this is exactly where many of us have been at for two years. 
crouched. Just because the world told us and CNN or Fox News told us and the doctors told us and the experts told us, and I'm not here diminishing any of those, all those things were necessary. Well, I'm talking about what it did to you. I'm talking about what it's done to your emotions and your spirit. And, and here we have found ourselves ready, set, and it's only a matter of time before the posture of tension turns into anxiety. It's only a matter of time before the posture of anxiousness turns into apathy. Because everything I've had built up for two years, and I don't know when this is going to end. Ready, set, go. You lost. <laughs> Thank you. You can go see. Now, some of you, some of you may look at that and be like, that's not fair. Because here's the other problem with what you've experienced over the last two years. The rules keep changing. So here we are trying to be successful. Here we are trying to give it our best. But what happens when your attempt to give it your best finds you exhausted, worn out? And here's the reality that I think some of us have found ourselves in. We've been waiting for go and we haven't heard it. And then all of a sudden we hear go. But we've sat in the position, in the posture of anxiousness so long that we've grown apathetic to doing anything. So now, it's not that I don't care, it's just that I'm indifferent. And, and this is where I think some of us are. In, in psychology, we think about mental health on, on a spectrum. So in psychology, we think about mental health from flourishing, which is the highest possible place you could be, to depressed, which is the lowest possible state you could be, right? And... And so flourishing is the peak and depressed is the floor. And, and let me ask you a question. Has anybody been feeling stuck between the two extremes lately in your mental health? Like, I know I'm not great, but I know I'm not terrible either. Like, I, I'm not burnt out because I do have energy. And I'm not depressed because I don't feel hopeless. I just kind of feel joyless, aimless. And meh. Anybody relate? Good. Well, not good that you feel that way. Good that this message is probably going to speak to you. See, there's a word for that joylessness and aimlessness, and it's a word called languishing. And I believe many of us have found our state, found ourselves in a state of languishing as we've tried to process all of the changes. And so, Languishing is this, you ready? It's the sense of stagnation and emptiness. It feels as if you're muddling through your days, looking at your life through a foggy windshield. Right? This is what psychologist Adam Grant had to say about it. The acute state of anguish has given way to a, a chronic condition of languish. Languishing is the neglect middle child of mental health. It's the void between depression and flourishing, the absence of well-being. You don't have symptoms of mental illness, but you're not the picture of mental health either. You're not functioning at full capacity. Languishing dulls your motivation, disrupts your ability to focus, and triples the odds that you'll cut back on important things. Anybody relate? What if... See, how many of us that are making an attempt to be good people and, and we're trying to love God, 
How many of us pay really close attention about making sure that we don't go back to that drug addiction, alcoholism, sexual issue, the, these whatever? Like we make sure, we try our best to fight against the things that we think the enemy is throwing our way that are the huge monumental issues of our life. And here's a question that I just have for you that I just want you to reflect on. What if the enemy's goal isn't your addiction, it's just to make you indifferent? Like what if the goal, what are the enemy's goal for your life in 2022? What if he, what he's trying to bring against you isn't that you would go back to the worst case scenario, it's that you would just become indifferent about anything being important anymore. What if the main goal of the enemy isn't to bring us all to hell, it's just to immobilize us? What would he accomplish then? And my thing is, I think God wants to change some things around. Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 says this. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart would be enlightened in order that you may know the hope, say hope, to which he has called you. Look at your neighbor and say you. The hope that he's called you to. Listen, the hope that he's called you to is to disrupt the languishing factor of apathy and indifference in your life. There's a, listen, there's a hope that God still wants to call you to. There's a mission he still wants you on board with. There's a place he wants to take you. And, and indifference is the killer of that, not addiction. Apathy is the enemy of God's mission for your life. And so this is the place that we find ourselves. But the thing is, we're not trying to be indifferent or apathetic. We just keep finding ourselves because we feel meh. Right? See, some of us are experiencing activity without productivity. We're experiencing fatigue without results, suspense without fulfillment, and preparation without completion. And we can't wonder why we just don't feel like doing anything anytime. Anybody found yourself lying in the bed longer in the mornings than you did a few years ago? Anybody found yourself staying up on the couch later than you used to a few years ago? There's a reason for it. And it's called languishing. So, again, Adam Grant says, part of the danger is that when you're languishing, say languishing, you might not notice the dulling of delight or the dwindling of drive. You don't catch yourself slipping slowly into solitude. You're indifferent about your indifference. When you can't see your own suffering, you don't seek help or even do much to help yourself. And maybe this connects with you today. This is the psychologist's solutions to languishing. Are you ready? Say, I'm ready. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm ready. Are you ready? Say, it's none of your business. I think I'm ready. I don't know. So, psychologist solutions is, here's, I'm, this, it's not going to pop up on the screen. I'm just going to give it to you. Assess yourself and let somebody else into that process. Look for communities and connection. Savor moments of impact. Find something fulfilling to be grateful for. Serve people and find true fulfillment. That's what psychologist says breaks the chain, breaks the realm. Does that sound like anything we do around here? Like, does that, does that sound like something God's word has called people to? Is it possible that secular psychologists have unintentionally pointed people to the word of God to find the solution for their problems? But here's the thing. If the world shows up looking for the solutions that God's word has, Shouldn't we as Christians already have grabbed a hold of it? And so what do we do about it? There's a word called flow. Say flow. Say it one time, flow. 
If you're at home, say flow. All right, so there's a word called flow. And they say that this idea of flow is what disrupts languishing and gets people moving again. So we don't need ready, set, go. We need ready, set, flow. So what is that? Let me give it to you real quick. Flow is the immersion in something, connecting to something larger than yourself, connecting to stories that give you proper distraction for, from the languishing and encouragement for the future. Flow is this idea that you connect to something that doesn't let you get so absorbed into your own self. Flow is something that gets you out of where you are and gets you moving into something else. Flow is saying no to being consumed by what's around you and getting consumed into something else. Flow gets you moving. And I want to bring a story to you out of Exodus chapter 1, where, or Exodus chapter 2, I'm sorry, where flow shows up. So many of you may know the story of Moses where he led the Israelites out of the like out of Egypt and, and they the Red Sea parted and all that dope stuff. Like we many of us know like that that story. Like, oh man, yeah, he was champion. But something happened to Moses before that. And I kind of want to take you there. When you go to Exodus chapters 1 and 2, uh, what happens is Pharaoh, who's ruling over the Israelites, realizes that they're going to outnumber him soon. And if they outnumber him, they could overthrow him. And so his solution to this is let's kill all the, ma- the males, the children. Let's kill all of the babies who are males so that they can't reproduce. And then they won't have to worry about uh, them outnumbering us. And so he calls for the commission for all of the Egyptians to kill all of the male children uh, in Egypt. And so as he sends that out, a woman named Jacobet has a baby, names him Moses. And I want to invite you into this space for a second where as a mother, she is going through the turmoil of knowing she's having a baby. She has the baby and it's a male. And I want you to think for a second the mental anguish that she's got to be under because they don't have like the little things back then, right? So like you find out what it's going to be when it gets here, right? So I want you to think about as this woman is pregnant, she's about to have a baby and the whole thing, I can imagine the only thing she's thinking is don't let it be a boy. Don't let it be a boy. Don't let it be a boy. Not because he's going to climb the trees and fall and hit his head on everything, but just like don't let it be a boy because if it's a boy, they're going to kill him. And so she's, she's got nine months of tension, nine months of preparation, nine months in that posture of, God, please don't, God, please don't, God, please don't. And she has the baby, and it's a boy. And, and the Bible says for three months she hid him so that they wouldn't find him and kill him. Can you imagine, you think you've been in some posture, imagine what she's feeling in this posture, God, please no. God, please no. God, please no. And if there's anyone that I can look in the Bible and say, wow, she had, I can see how she may have moved into languishing. And, and we go to Exodus chapter 2, and this is what it says. And so, so to be clear, Jacobit takes Moses, instead of killing him and letting them kill him, she puts him in a basket and she floats him down the river. Don't know if that was like, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, no. I don't know, right? But puts him down the river, and this is what happens. Exodus 2, 5 through 6. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe. Pharaoh's daughter, the one that called to have the babies killed, his daughter goes down to the Nile to bathe, and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to go get it. So she sees Moses in the basket. Go get that baby. Goes. Then his sister, Moses' sister, Asked Pharaoh's daughter, 
should I go get one of the Hebrew women to nurse the baby for you? So let me connect these dots for you in case you haven't realized we're looking at a biblical Mori story. <laughs> trying to kill the baby. Mom puts baby in a basket, sends it down the river. Little sister's like, let's see what happens with this. Little sister follows the baby down the Nile. Pharaoh, who tried to kill the baby's daughter, sees the baby and then gets the baby. And the sister of the baby who followed the baby goes up to Pharaoh's daughter, who was trying to kill the baby, and says, should I go get a woman to nurse him for you? And we see in verses 9, yes, go, she answered. So the girl went and got the baby's mother. Could you imagine? Got the baby's mother. Pharaoh's daughter said to her, take this baby and nurse him, and I'll pay you. The baby's mom got paid to be the baby's mom. <laughs> so the woman took the baby and nursed him. And I can see, but man, think about this. Could you, I could see Jacobet's turmoil. What do I do? How does this work? I don't even, like, before, before little sister comes back, or before big sister comes back, like, what do I do? I don't know what to do here. Like, and then the moment of, of release where I, she puts the baby in the basket and sends the baby down the stream and, and I can see the tears running down her face. God, I am trusting you here because I've got nothing left. There is no amount of money. There is no circumstance that can change this for me right now. All I have is the confidence that you are going to do something when I can't do it. And she pushes the baby down the water and the baby moves down the stream and as the baby moves down the stream, she walks away crushed. She goes back into her home. And what I want to invite you to for just a second is the space between pushing the baby down the water and getting back to her couch. The overwhelming sense of anguish, lament, the beginning stages of grief to go into depression, this is where I'm stuck, she thinks to herself. What do, I, what do I do? The last year of my life, nine months of pregnancy, and the three months after, it's all gone now. And maybe you can resonate in some capacity to the idea of going through a stage of life that has become so uncertain and anxious for you, you just don't know what to do next. And this is where we find her. But the sister, come on. But the sister. Usually we say, but God. But today, but the sister. Come on, say the sister. I'm going to come back to the sister in a minute, but I want to identify three things that it takes to get into a new flow. Say a new flow. Because it's not ready, set, go. Because we've tried to go. Something in us won't let us. We've tried to wake up early. Something in us won't let us. We've tried to do all the right stuff, something in us, because we don't need to just go, we need a new flow. And so what is it going to take? Well, let me give you some of these real quickly. See, flourishing says, number one, it's time to get up. Flourishing says, it's time to, if you're going to flourish, again, flourish being the highest possible place, mental state, it's time to get up. Listen to me, I want to encourage you with something, you can't stay here. You can't stay 
Here. Where is here? Wherever you've been trapped since 2020. Whatever you've been trapped in since 2020, you can't stay here. Because we serve a God who was always moving. In the book of Exodus, when he brought the Israelites out of Egypt, they didn't go to the desert and hang out a while. They were constantly moving. Every time he's taking people somewhere, they were always moving. When Jesus was in the disciples, they were always moving. Why? Because we serve a God that is always moving. You can't stay here. You have to get up. There's got to be something in you that says, I'm tired of being in this place. Because if you like this place, you'll stay in this place. Because hear me, it is comfortable. Sleeping a little longer is comfortable. Especially for some of you. Good heavens, man. I'm really talking to my wife right now. She can hear this, I'm sure. She just loves sleep. Like, it's a hobby. Anyway, so, but you can't, Philippians 3, 13 through 14 Brothers and sisters, this is Paul talking. We've read this passage so many times. We'll read it again. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to having taken hold of it. Uh, when he's talking about it, he's talking about a way in which he's describing pursuing God. But one thing I do, say one thing. One thing I do, I'm forgetting. And some of us need to get a lot better at forgetting. Well, pre, pre-COVID, I was, yeah, well, pre-COVID's gone. Well, back before 2020, me and my husband were... Yeah, but that's gone. What are you now? Before COVID, my job was cool. That's gone. What are you doing now? And as long as you're remembering the past enough that you're clinging to it more than the possibility of what God might want to do in the future, you're not going to get where he's trying to take you. Forgetting what is behind and straining towards what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. There is a prize. There is a goal. There is something to be clung to. There is something to strive for. But listen to me. None of it, none of it, say none of it, is right here. None of it's right here. Everything God wants for your life is out there. And we've got to want to get up. The second thing flourishing says is it's not just time to get up, but it's also time to get out. Say get out. I don't mean get out like leave. We still have a few more minutes I want to preach to you. Okay, but like get out. flourishing says it's time to get out. Listen, some of you need a new environment. Next week I'm going to bring a story to you um, about someone who, who literally the difference between success and failure was his environment. He did the exact same thing in two locations. And in one place, he was applauded by tens of thousands and millions of dollars. And in the other place, he was ignored by everyone. Listen to me. It's time to get out. The people that have held you in the same spot for two years aren't the people that need to stay part of your social circle forever. If they don't want to go, well, then let them stay by themselves. Listen, misery loves company. And stagnation is diseased. So if you want a miserable, diseased life, stay with people that are going nowhere. But for the rest of us, it's time to get up. And it's time to get out. Because where we are has to change. Romans 12, 2, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I remember growing up reading this passage, like, don't conform to the pattern of the world. And I always read it through the lens of, like, sin, right? So, like, don't go out there and do all the things, you know what I mean? Don't, don't drink, drink and smoke and chew and hang with those that do or whatever. Like, you know, it's like, like that, I grew up in those types of sayings and, like, those types of spaces. And, and surely there's, there's a framework for some of that to exist where if you want to live a holy life, you can't surround yourself with only unholy 
holy people. Surely there's a connection there. But what if the idea behind not conforming to the pattern of the world and being transformed by the renewing of your mind has even as much to do with our approach to languishing as it does our approach to sin? Like, what if, what if we need to renew our minds around the idea of what God wants to do in our life, not just what God wants to keep us away from in life? Like, what if the renewing of our mind has as much to do with the fact that God created you with a purpose to say yes to? God created you with a mission for you to get on board with. And maybe the transforming of your mind is you saying yes to getting mobilized again as opposed to just sitting still like the rest of the world. Renewing our mind, transforming our mind, then you'll be able to test, here it is, and approve what God's will is. His good, pleasing, and perfect will. What if the fact that it's time for you to get out means it's time for you to change the way you think? And then lastly, flourishing says it's time to get going. It's time to get going. Say get up, get out, get going. Get up, get out. Get going. Get up. Get out. Get going. Get up. Get out. Get going. Okay. That will. Yeah. All right. Get up. Get out. Listen. You need a new cause. This is one of the one of the things that psychologists said was so true about the idea of flow. Is listen to me. You need something bigger than just surviving to attach yourself to. You need a new cause. You need a mission where you know that when you put your hands and your feet to something, it's changing the world around you. We need this. This isn't something that we just want for you. Listen, you want purpose in your life. I'm going to say it again until you get it. You want purpose in your life. You want fulfillment in your life. You want meaning for your life. This isn't just something we want for you. This isn't just something that you should want for you. But this is something that God wants for you. Have you ever asked the question, God, why am I here? Have you ever sat back to reflect and say, what, what, why am I here? What's the purpose of being here? Well, I want to go back to Ephesians 1, 17 through 18 that we read earlier. But I want to read you through the message, kind of paraphrase Bible, and it says it like this. I ask that the God of our master, Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning and knowing him personally. Say no, God. Your eyes focused and clear. That means clear to see the future, but you can't see the future as long as the past is still gripping you. Because we need freedom. Say find freedom. So that you can see exactly what it is he's calling you to do. That means he wants you to discover the purpose that he's put inside of you. Say discover purpose. For if you know the four steps of our church, this is already starting to click for you. And this is what he says, this next part of the passage. Grasp the immensity of of this glorious way of life he has for his followers. Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him, endless energy, boundless strength. Listen to me. Some of you, the flow that you need to get into is finding something to connect yourself to that's bigger than you. And at TC, here, at Transformation Church, we've got it and we're waiting for you. Because God's, 
getting ready to blow the roof off this place. And hear me, you have a role in it, and I'm inviting you to say yes to it. I'm invi- Listen, you have a role you can play in it. I'm inviting you to say yes to it. Next steps is how you discover it and get moving. So here's my invitation. Let's go. Better yet, let's flow. To show you what the life can look like, our boy Chris, who we celebrate all the time, Cartier, is in the house. And, uh, and so we want to we show you his video to prayerfully encourage you to see what can happen when you say yes to the flow. Let's go, guys. Uh, so my name's Chris. Um, I've been coming to TC for a little over two years now. So before TC, um, in, I was actually living in New Jersey. Uh, that's, that's where I was born and raised. I was born in a Christian home, raised in a Christian home. There was this emptiness I couldn't necessarily explain. Even now, I couldn't really explain because everything on paper seemed great. Like, I had a family at home that loved me, I had friends that loved me, I had a great job and everything. But there's just something that I couldn't explain that I just kind of felt empty. And my job gave me a promotion, so, they, so I moved down here. At the time, you know, I originally thought that God was giving me the promotion for my job. And then later I realized that it, was, that it wasn't necessarily about the job, it was about the church that I, that I needed to be at. I uh, just Googled churches in Pensacola. The first option was Church Chicken. The second option was TC. Now I love chicken, but I needed a church. <laughs> so then when I moved down here, my first day was a Sunday, I'm like, well, what am I gonna do? So I got up and I, and I, and I went to TC at, at AMC at the time and it blew me away. It was actually in June of June of 2020 is when TC had the outdoor service. Um, and when I met Erica at there, she invited me out Thursday to, to rehearsal because um, at the time we were still streaming. So we would practice Thursday and then do a live stream on Sunday. So she invited me out Thursday. Um, and so I just kind of came out and hung around. And then I remember them inviting me out to lunch afterwards. And I'm like, y'all are a bunch of crazy people. Because like, you guys don't know me. We're in the middle of a pandemic and you're still gonna invite me out, but all right. <laughs> Because I started to realize that it wasn't, that even before they knew who I was, they already loved me. And that was a big, that, that was a big moment that I didn't know I needed. And then when we moved into the, um, into, a new, into a new sanctuary and everything, is when I officially took on lighting. One of the things I love about it is it allows me to use my creativity that God gave me to, to, really, to really help worship Him in ways that maybe people don't realize that you can use to worship Him. I got really involved with our young adult and small groups. Nate came and introduced himself to me. After that, we, we, we kind of all hit it off. Um, I, I joined the small groups. And one of the best things about that is that it really drew me closer to other people and to God as well. Um, and that even moments where I just was not having a day, I could reach out to them and they're, they're always there for me. If I just need prayer about anything, they can, they're always there for me. Or if I just need to say, hey, I'm doing amazing, they're excited with me. So when I started to notice that things were different, when I was more honest with myself, um, I started to realize my my own faults. Um, and then also I was giving more surrenderance to God. Um, I started, I never did before, but I started like raising my hands in worship because um, I just I just felt this peace that I couldn't explain, that I knew was more than me. And then just the way that everyone treated me, treated everyone around me, I could tell that this was the place that God called me to be. I, I feel fulfilled here, you know, feeling of joy and this feeling of um, self-worth and this feeling of all this that I, I didn't have. One thing I've been learning is that I still have a way to go, and I know that's okay now, and I know that God's working in me through all of this. Best way I can explain what, what God's done to me is to show me what true joy looks like and what true friendship and family looks like.
For some of you, it's time to flow. I want to show you a picture real quick. Uh, I think they have it to throw up on the screen. Uh, this is a, a photo of, that's me, top right, no beard for the record. Uh, if you ever want to know what that looks like. Um, this is my youth group from 2013. So I was a youth pastor in 2013. I said yes to this bunch of misfits. Everyone that circled was a student in my student ministry and now they're a leader in our church. And so, I wish I could say I was 100% successful at that. That didn't work out how I thought it was gonna be. But Jawan, Taya, Ashley, Heather, Kyle. And so, this is them in 2013 about to go to a youth conference. God was gonna wreck their life. Go to the next photo. I wanna show you what some of them look like now. So this is uh, Ashley who was in the other picture. This is her with uh, some of the students team that served so amazingly and so faithfully with our students here at TC. And so, and now she's got an amazing husband, Shaq and, and her, her kids. And, and she's serving faithfully right here at TC. And let's show, go, go, go to the next one guys. And so there's Taya. Um, so rocking with her team, I'm sure she loves this photo. Uh, and so rocking with one of her teams and again, faithfully, she's in this house with her husband and her, her kids. Let's go to the next picture. Uh, there's Juwan. Uh, and at, what you can't see at this photo is that this is him graduating our leadership pipeline where he spent two years investing in theology and leadership. And now he serves on our venue control team here at TC. Let's go to the next one. Uh, these two, uh, Kyle and Heather, who uh, dated through my whole youth group, despite my attempts to make them not do that. And um, then they got married and had kids, so it all worked out. Um, but uh, this is Kyle and Heather and uh, Kyle leads everything production here at TC. He oversees 100% of the things that flash or go boom. Um, and, or gets recorded on a camera, actually. So he oversees all of that. His amazing wife, Heather, she does some photography around here for us, serves on the creative team, and occasionally you see her on stage leading worship. She's an amazing woman of God, raising her baby girls. And go to the next picture for me. This is a picture at prayer last year. She didn't find a sitter for her daughter for 21 days of prayer. She got her daughter in the presence of God at 21 days of prayer. Her kids know what worship feels like because she worships with her children. Amazing young woman. And the question that I ask myself often is, what if I didn't say yes 15 years ago to what God called me to do? Would they be able to say yes today to what God is calling them to do? There's also a special woman that I want you guys to see. Go ahead, go to the next one. It's a picture of Sandy Wilbanks. Sandy's a rock star. She's been serving in kids ministry longer than I've been alive, I think. And today, I think today, she's if she's here today, she's back there with our kids right now, serving. If you have a child in elementary school, she's with them right now, the same way she was with Heather 15 years ago. And what would happen if the people of God 
never said yes to the call of God? Would the next generation of the people of God be able to say yes to the call of God? Our church was 160 people when I took those kids to a youth conference. And now, between in-person and online, almost 800 people are a part of this church every Sunday. But what if Sandy didn't do that? What if I didn't do that? If you go back to that picture, there's also Cindy Tregoning, Anthony Tregoning, Ryan Teague, who said yes to, to serving alongside me and chasing teenagers and yanking them out of parties when they were drunk and all of those things. They were part of that mission with me. And what would have happened if they didn't say yes? And listen to me, you have a gift. You have a mission. You have a calling. God has put something in you to make a difference in somebody else's life. And listen to me, God's waiting on you to do it. Ready, set, flow. You need a new mission. You need a new calling. You need a new yes. You need to give, you something, give yourself to something that's bigger than you. And listen, we want to help you do it. Church is not a, part, or it's not a, a, a observation. It's a participation. Where can you find your place to make a difference in somebody's life? Listen to me so that 20 years from now you get to look around and let God show you all the people you made an impact in. And if you're ready to say yes, if you're ready to say yes, I want, I want to encourage you today, cancel whatever you had planned for after church today and go to next steps. And let's get you moving in the place where you can create your own slideshow 10 years from now. God's got something for you. Let's get going. Ready, set, say it with me, flow. Because listen, what if Moses' sister never went after the basket? Look at me, we're almost done. What if Moses' sister never went after the basket? Would Moses ever have ended up back in his mother's homes? God's got a mission for you. He's got some of the secret to flourishing is in what you do with God's calling on your life today. Let's flow in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you for every person that's here. Lord, I pray that you would prompt our hearts to say yes to whatever you're calling us to. For some, God, they're already mobilized. They're already moving. God, I pray that you encourage their hearts to keep saying yes to where you've placed them. God, every person's call looks different, and we know that. But God, for some of us, we've been stuck in languishing, and it's time we move into flourishing. So God, connect us to what, we're calling, what you're saying yes to. And we thank you for that, God. I pray that in our life, not just in our church life, but in our life, in our work, in our family, we would say yes to getting mobilized and getting moving. We thank you today and we love you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. If you're here today, listen, we're gonna make this as quick and simple as possible. You need God to forgive you of your past and bring Jesus into your life so that you can have a new future. If that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me and the whole church is gonna pray with you. Say, dear Jesus, forgive me. I need you. I believe you died for me. I believe you paid for my sins. So I'm giving my life to you. I'm gonna follow you. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.